Amen. Church, y'all sound good this morning. I like when Garrett stops playing and lets us all sing together. It sounds good. Hey, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you can open up up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. And while you do that, I want to ask a show of hands. How many of you are fans of ants? Anyone fans of ants? The little, I got one kid right down here. That's how I, that's kind of what I thought. Uh, ants give me the heebie-jeebies. I don't know if, you, if they give you the, the heebie-jeebies also. Uh, I don't like ants in my yard, in my grass. I don't like ants in my house or my car. I know I definitely don't like ants in my pants. You probably don't like either. But I know that ants are small little guys. They're quick little guys, and they pack a punch, right? And ultimately, as I was thinking about this, I was like, man, I think ants are in the top three things of creations that I wish God would have just, like, just second-guessed. Like, do we really need these on earth? Ultimately, we do, because we're going to reference ants a lot this morning. So praise the Lord for the creation of ants. Ants are pretty incredible beings. Individually, uh, ants, if you don't know this, they can lift upwards of 20 times their body weight. Do some quick math of how much you weigh, multiply it by 20, and I don't think anyone's anywhere close to lifting that kind of weight. I know I'm, I'm definitely not. Ants, uh, the, the, the queen ants can give birth to over a million babies in their lifetime. It's pretty incredible. Any ladies in the room think you can do that? I don't think so, right? Millions of babies. Uh, ants, they don't have ears. They, 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 they listen through feelings in their feet on the ground, through rumbles. That's how they, how they process their hearing. You probably know this one. Ants leave a chemical trail behind them as they go out in search of food so they can find their way back to the colony. And ants are extremely loyal, extremely loyal to their colony, extremely loyal to their job and their role in the colony. And so we're going to reference ants all all throughout this morning, but we're going to continue our series on the the rock, uh, talking about different aspects of the church. Pastor Sam's not here, but we are going to be talking about the edification or the building up of the church. And so hopefully you found your way to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to begin reading verse 7 through 16. It says this, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth found in your word. And as we walk through this passage, God, I pray that you would speak to us. Encouragement, conviction, challenging us in an area of of thought and understanding. God, speak through me this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, before we walk through these nine verses, I want to just draw a a brief attention to the, the idea of this entire passage. I don't know, in your Bible, at the top of chapter 4, mine says, unity in the body of Christ. And so from 1 to 16, there's all sorts of things in here, but the, the idea of this passage is talking about unity of the church. If we look at verse 3 through 6, it says this, Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So we see this passage is all about the unity of the body. And as we walk through verse 7 through 16, we're going to see that Paul lays out the idea of how the church should function how we should function and operate as a unit. And so looking first at verse 7, we see it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so right here in verse 7, we see that gifts have been given to us, the body of Christ. Paul is setting up what he's going to reference in verse 8, as he references in Psalm chapter 68, verse 18. That says this, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. What this is talking about is is when in times of war, in times of um, of battle, when, when, when tribes were going against each other and nations were going against each other, often what would happen is the conquering nation would have a victory parade. Or possessions have been gathered of of those that they've conquered. And the king distributes gifts to his men. So Paul is setting up this idea. He's referencing this picture of a victory parade in which gifts are given. And then he rolls into verse 9 and 10 where he says, In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended to the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. What Paul is referencing here is Christ's victory over death and sin. If you flip a couple pages to the right to Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. I want to read verses 8 through 11. It says, And being found in human form, he, Jesus, humbled himself. He became obedient to the, de- the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, or maybe your version says, exalted him to the highest place, 
and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." And so we see in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is laying out uh, this this idea that Jesus has claimed victory over death and sin. And because of that, he has given gifts to his people. The only difference in here that I want to just point out, in verse 7 it says, But grace was given. These gifts that we've received is only through grace. We were not standing shoulder to shoulder fighting alongside Jesus to defeat death and sin. In fact, it was him and him alone. And it's through his grace, giving us something that we do not deserve, that he has given gifts to his church, given gifts to his people. And so as we continue on, the question is, what, will, what are these gifts? Well, they come in kind of a two-part. Number one, it would be spiritual gifts. Through, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll get to those in just a minute. And number two, it is gifts of the leadership of the church. We talked about that the last two weeks of pastors, teachers in the church. And so it says in verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So looking at the leadership of the church, God in his forward thinking has specifically called men to a special calling of shepherding and leading the church. To equip the saints, to equip the, the, the followers of Christ for what? Verse 12, the work of ministry. And so we've talked about the, the pastors and teachers and shepherds and uh, the last two weeks. They're a gift and the second thing is the spiritual gifts, these, these specific giftings that we have. If you'll flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, these gifts are spelled out for us. We're going to read verse 4, starting in verse 4, it says this, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so we see these gifts, and, and the two things that I want to point out, number one is that each of these gifts are manifested and empowered by Christ, by the Holy Spirit that lives inside each and every one of us believers. It's not through my own power that I get to use these gifts and, and, and do these things. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. This past Tuesday, my youngest son, Lincoln, turned one years old. It's crazy. like literally flew by just like that. 
And the thing with one-year-old birthdays is typically one-year-olds are like barely able to walk, if even able to walk. They can't do a whole lot except, you know, maybe babble and play with little things. And us parents, at least I feel like I've done this for both of my kids, we give them things that they can't use on their own. I don't know if you've been there before, but Lincoln got this roller coaster thing uh, for his birthday. One years old. Uh, And the thing about this gift is he cannot use it on his own. But he needs me to help him to sit him on the seat and hold his hands on the handlebars and send him down, holding him, like, you know, holding him there. Otherwise, he's going to flip over and bust his head open. That's not a perfect analogy because one day he'll be able to do it himself and him and his brother will probably, you know, break something on this thing. But our Father has given us gifts that he wants us to use, but he wants us to be fully dependent on him to use those gifts. And so we've been given these gifts of pastors and teachers. We've been given these gifts of spiritual gifts to do the work of ministry. I love, one of my favorite verses is Acts chapter 17, verse 25. It says, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. What this verse is saying right here is that that God, the God of the universe, he does not need us, but he chooses to use us. He invites us into his ministry. As someone who works full-time in ministry, I'm constantly humbled and reminded of this reality. That God doesn't need me, but he wants to use me. And the same is true for you. God doesn't need you, but he wants to use you. Ephesians chapter 2, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the church. Kind of reminds me of ants. You know anything about ants? Ants are born with a a role. They're born with a job. I came up with my own little titles here, so if you're a, you know, professional in this area, don't judge me. Uh, But the queen ant, her role is to have babies. Millions of them. Literally. Have babies. That's your role. Do that. The soldier ant, they protect. They fight uh, uh, fight off danger. You've got mother ants who clean the eggs. They feed the the larvae. You've got worker and builder ants who help expand the colony. When 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 the kids step on the ant colony, they get right to work rebuilding it and reshaping it. You've got hunter and gatherer ants that are out collecting food to feed the babies, to feed the workers, to to feed the, the colony. And I learned this this week. There's even, I gave him the title, custodial ants who help uh, keep the colony clean, who help deal with the digestion of the food and and clean it out to keep the place, you know, tidy and, and whatnot. They have a job. They have a purpose. They have a role. And they play a part in the success of the colony, right? Kind of like the church here. And as I think about Katie's First Baptist Church, it's a perfect example of the Lord using the saints for the work of ministry. 
whether you're greeting on, uh, up front, whether you're teaching a class, whether you're serving on a committee, whether you're up here leading worship each and every Sunday, we have a church full of people that serve. And it's amazing to see it all come together. But maybe you're in the room and, and you don't serve. I want to remind you, I want to, I want to call your attention that God is inviting you to play a role. And it may seem like we have enough greeters, it may seem like we have enough teachers, but the reality is, is we, the people that greet, greet. I don't know if anyone remember, I know the Ross family, they were on the team. We used to have a parking lot team. We started greeting from the curb all the way in. It's since disappeared. So we didn't have enough people, right? And so we have all these different teams, different places to serve. And as I talked to Pastor Garrett throughout this week, he said, hey, a good thing to say is if you want to learn how to serve, if you want to figure out where you fit, where your place is within our church, serve often and broadly. Maybe you have a spiritual gift of teaching and, and that's a place for you. But as I was thinking about a greeter, it probably doesn't take a spiritual gift for greeting. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 7, it says, To each everyone is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You can put a smile on your face, shake a hand, say good morning, and God may just use you incredibly right there in that position. Serve often and broadly. The last thing I want to point out in this, these two verses before we continue on is this quote that I heard from Chuck Smith. It says this, The primary purpose of the church isn't to convert sinners to Christianity, but to perfect, complete, and mature the saints for the ministry and edification of the body. So as I think about Katie's first Baptist church, I, I did some quick math, and there's over 130-plus equipping events, equipping gatherings, Bible studies, whatever you want to call them, through Sunday morning Bible study, through midweek, through this gathering right here, where we as a church come together to equip the saints for the work of ministry. In addition to those 130 plus, we have four strictly evangelical events. Mega Hunt, Vacation Bible School, Trunk or Treat. It's coming up in a month. Sign up, katiesfirst.org slash Trunk or Treat. And Cocoa and Lights. Four strategically thought out evangelical events that lead into Easter, that lead into Christmas, drawing, inviting our community to our campus to experience the love of Jesus Christ. But outside of that, the saints are equipped for the work of ministry. The work of ministry that takes place Monday through Saturday in your works, in your neighborhoods, on your kids' sports teams, kids in school, in your classes. The work of ministry is, is living a life that reflects Jesus, stepping into conversations to talk about Jesus, to share the gospel. And the primary purpose of the church is to equip you all for that service. Now I want to be clear if a non-believer came in this room, and I, I pray and I hope there's a non-believer in this room, and the Lord has ordained you to be here, you can meet and come to know Jesus right here today. You can meet and come to know Jesus in Sunday morning Bible study in midweek in these places. But the primary purpose is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry outside of this building. So we've got a role. We've got a job. We've got an invitation 
to play a part in ministry. And so we keep on reading verse 13 and 14. It says, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Paul is saying, hey, if we operate this way, if we are equipped and we go out and we do the work of ministry, we as a body will not be tossed to and fro by the culture. We'll not give in to the ways of our world, but we will stand firm, firm on the foundation that's rooted in Scripture, rooted in Christ. And we see that spelled out a little bit more in verse 15 and 16. Or it says, rather, speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Two things for these verses. Number one, our body, our unit here as a church is held together by one name, and that name is Jesus. We're held together by him, and everything that we do is in his name and for his glory. And then Paul kind of closes this section, if you will, highlighting the word love. Rather, speaking the truth in love. And at the end, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. If you flip back over one more time to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, we see the, the list of spiritual gifts. We see at the end of chapter 12 this idea that we are one body with many different parts serving the Lord. And then in verse 13, or sorry, chapter 13, it says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not enjoy, or sorry, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. I love verse 9. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. 
this idea that God calls us into his ministry. He calls us, he, he invites us, and he equips us, and he gives us these gifts to, uh, to go and, and, and share his name and, and grow the kingdom of God, strengthen the body of believers here so that we're not uh, tossed to and fro, all these different things. But as we're reminded in 1 Corinthians, we're reminded in Ephesians, we must do so in love. Doing the work of ministry but not in love is not building up or edifying to the church. Ants, as individuals, are pretty incredible beings. But if we take ants and we look at the word loyalty that ants have and we just say, hey, ants just really love each other and, and, and whatnot and go with me on this. Ants as a unit are incredible. You take one ant right here, I'm good. You put a million ants right here, and I'm out the door, right? They are incredible, powerful beings. They're committed to each other. They're committed to their job on the colony. They work as a unit that I don't know if you've seen. They like build bridges with their bodies to, to get, a, like get across different places. They take their, in times of floods, maybe you remember this from Harvey, they take their eggs and they, they build a little life raft with their eggs and they float like this, like, Millions of ants just floating down the water, waiting to run into some dry land. You don't want to come in contact with them if that's the case. I watched a video about army ants in the rainforest and the destruction and the power that they have in the rainforest. And I think about that, this idea of ants as a unit, and comparing it to us, I say, man, I can know Jesus and I can pursue Jesus and read my Bible and I can, I can try to do this on my own and, and that's cool. But it's not God's design. We're designed to be a unit, one body. And what could God do through us if we were all together as a unit, operating out of love, uh, um, working through the power of the Holy Spirit for the growth and strengthening of our church, our body, and for reaching the lost in our community?